Magnificent Desolation by Buzz Aldrin Elevated 300 feet in the air on an upper platform of Kennedy Space Center's launch pad 39A, I peered through the bubble of my visor at the millions of people who had gathered along the coastline to witness history being made. Just then, I felt a nudge in my back, and I lost my footing. Bagsy the window seat, Neil Armstrong yelled, making a dash for the command module's hatch door. Years of military and NASA training had taught me to control my emotions, so I picked myself up and replied, Roger that, Neil, then took the remaining seat next to the other guy. Hi, he said, I'm Mike. Mike who? Neil and I chorused. The journey to the moon was uneventful thanks to Werner von Braun, and once we were out of contact with Earth on the dark side, I said a private communion to thank God for the brilliance of Nazi rocket science. As we completed our orbit, we had word from Houston to enter the lunar module. Oh look, Neil shrieked, I'm nearest the door, so I may as well get in first. As I hauled my way through the hatch, the enormity of the situation finally hit me. Neil was grinning nearest the exit, and, despite being the commander of the lunar module, I was going to be the second person on the moon. Neil grabbed the controls, and I read out some numbers from the dashboard as we made our descent to the lunar surface. You cut that a bit fine, I said as we touched down. I'd have landed over there about 30 seconds ago. Yippee! I'm first, Neil yelled before singing. I'm simply the best. As Neil stepped onto the moon, I was shocked to hear him say, This is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Not only had he nicked the speech from my suit pocket, he had misquoted me. I was going to have to come up with something spontaneous for my momentous first words from the moon. Looks like you damaged the struts a bit on landing, I said eventually. None of us was prepared for the reception on our return to Earth. We were fated as celebrities at the White House, and I'll never forget President Nixon saying, Mankind is indebted to Neil and the two other guys. NASA cashed in on our popularity and sent us on a world tour. I even got to dance with Gina Lodo Brigida in Italy. You're a great mover, Neil, she whispered in my ear. I found it hard to deal with the fame of being unrecognised. I started to drink heavily and my marriage to Joan hit the rocks. My work also hit rock bottom. NASA wasn't interested in my fascinating plans to build a spaceship for 200 people to fly to Mars, and I was working for a car dealership under the slogan, Buy a second-hand car from the second man on the moon. My drinking got steadily worse, and I tried going to Alcoholics Anonymous, but I kept saying, I'm Neil, I'm an alcoholic. It was the beautiful Lois who finally taught me self-acceptance. It's okay to be the second man on the moon, she said. At least you're not the bloke who just got to float about in the command module. You're right, I declared, and Neil hasn't even had an animated superhero named after him. Marry me, Lois. 
for infinity and beyond. Only if you kneel and ask me. Don't mention his name ever again. And she hasn't. We've been together now for 30 years and I've been sober all that time. Lois is a real pocket dynamo who has taken me in hand and managed my career. She's persuaded me to stop going on in public about how I met aliens on the moon. Face it, anyone who chats to Neil for more than five minutes will go a bit mad. And she's helped me write a stunning work of science fiction that picked up a brilliant review in the Baton Rouge Advertiser. I'm even hopeful NASA will begin to take seriously my plans to build a hotel on Jupiter. What more could a man want? other than to be Neil. The digested read digested. Women prefer a man who comes second, Neil.